1: Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. I'm joined by my co-host Nick Falatto. We're now more than 48 hours into the NFL's free agent legal tampering period, and hours away from these reported deals becoming official. Though that could be snagged by you know coronavirus and you know people not being able to fly in for physicals, all that good stuff. Don't worry about it. These deals are all but official. On today's show, we're going to catch you up on the latest New York Giants signings, dive into the team's biggest remaining roster needs in our estimation and how they might address them, break down what the Giants are doing by front loading these contracts from a salary cap standpoint, why that's new, what it means, while also diving into what might come next for this franchise now during the remainder of the offseason. But before we do all of that, I just wanted to say thank you to all of the loyal listeners. Our download numbers continue to rise. Our latest show was our best yet. Um, We're thrilled to be able to see that and to be able to provide you the content that you enjoy coming back to. Love having conversations offline with some of my friends and also the people I've met, you know, via Twitter and whatnot regarding the podcast. It's awesome. I know Nick's really excited about it. I'm really excited about it. Having said that, we want to grow even bigger. So we want to offer you even more by growing bigger and better content. So if you want to help us grow, please make sure you download and not just click listen on all the podcasts. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Give us five stars, please. Uh, and share your podcast, or share our podcast, I'm sorry, with your friends, your Giants friends and family on social media since, of course, we're all locked down at home. All right, Nick, let's get into the action. Just minutes after we recorded yesterday's pod, Giants landed linebacker from the Packers, Kyler Fackrell, on a one-year, 4.6-year, $4.6 million prove-it deal. I know you haven't had the chance to watch this tape yet, neither have I, but just on the surface, what do you make of the signing?
2: So i haven't grinded the film of Fackrell quite yet, but just before we recorded, I went to his 2018 film. For those of you who do not know, Patrick Graham was the linebackers and run game coordinator for the Packers in 2018, and Kyler Fackrell had 10 and a half sacks that season, so I wanted to go through, and I'm going to post it on Twitter here soon, I wanted to go through and kind of uh, just see how he was getting these sacks. Were they all hustle sacks? Were they kind of fagazi sacks? And they weren't. Some of them were hustled, yes, but some of them he was flashing inside counter moves, some of them he was uh, just going right through and right around using speed and a little bit of uh, inside shoulder dip at the top of the arc to beat tackles that weren't the best tackles in the league. Let's not get it wrong, but he still, he showed explosiveness and burst. And the fact that this is a very, very... Small deal and kind of a prove-it deal, $4.6 million one year. He's going to play. I actually really like this signing. Now, I still think the Giants need to add talent to that edge position. They really, really do. But I think this was a, just a low-cost, high-upside, familiarity kind of signing that could work out for a player who isn't overly old and who has had success in this system.
1: Nick, I completely agree with you. I, for my money, this was my favorite signing of the entire offseason so far. I think it's the highest upside move. It reminds me of a better version of what they tried last offseason with Golden. And I know Golden had the high sack number, which is great. But, you know, as we've talked about on this podcast, me and Nick are big believers that a lot of those sacks came via really good matchups against, you know, <laughs> offensive tackles who are going to be out of the NFL within a year or two, scheme by betcher. And really, we didn't see it translating to a new system. But Fakrell, to me, I've only had a chance to watch a little bit. I saw every sack of his from twenty eighteen. Shout out Bobby Skinner. Uh, he posted that, so I saw. A look, had a look at that. Haven't really watched the game tape on him. But like like Nick said, I, I was really surprised and pleasantly surprised with the skill set I saw. He's more bendy than I thought we might get out of him. He's really has a has a couple counter moves. I saw a nice spin move. He's obviously not the, a true bur, uh, edge bender around the edge, but I thought he had excellent bursts off the line of scrimmage. And really, when I looked into Kyler, Moore, uh, I'm sorry, Kyler Fackrell Moore, without actually diving into the tape, I liked what I saw. This is a guy who's six foot five, 245 pounds, was a multiple sport athlete uh, prior to you know his time at Utah State. Played quarterback. I'm sorry, played quarterback. And wide receiver and as well as linebacker in high school also played multiple sports um, prior to that and you know came into the NFL with a little bit of a, a knock on him because he was he was up there in age and because he had the ACL injury that people were a little bit concerned with and that dropped him to a third round pick but before that he was talked about as potentially like you know day one pick maybe day two pick because he has a lot of traits that people like a lot the Packers used him in a lot of ways last year they used him more in coverage than you would have ever ever expected and during his time at Utah State he also showed the ability to match and mirror in coverage with tight ends and that's something we haven't seen as much in the NFL maybe he'll never get back to that you know get back to that ability because of the knee injury but he's shown a decent ability of that and two years ago you know when he had that 10 and a half sack season with Patrick Graham as his coach and Mike McCarthy talked about you know he thought he was a player coming into his own with the Packers at that time, you know, because, because of the fact that not only he had the 10.5 sacks, but because of the impact, as McCarthy said it, he was making on special teams. The Giants landed themselves another special teams ace here with this signing. But that's the least of why I'm excited about it. Personally, I look at some of the numbers here. He had a 16.1% pressure rate on 193 snaps rushing the passer last season for the Packers, that was a higher pressure rate than, or I'm sorry, a higher pressure rate than pretty much anyone on the Giants last year. And his total pressures, according to Next Gen stats, were more than Lorenzo Carter, who almost had double the snaps rushing the passer. What I see here is a player who was on the rise, an ascending player who can help in special teams, can do some things in coverage, and mostly is best as a pass rusher. But who was kind of phased out by an aggressive offseason season approach by the Packers last year to go ahead and get Darius Smith and Preston Smith. And put and use their first-round pick on another edge, Rashawn Gary. They added three edges last year, and it kind of dipped, you know, it kind of made it so Fackrell didn't have as big of a role in that Packers defense, not by his doing, but by the fact that, listen, the Packers went out and they aggressively added three edges. But still, I see a guy who was super effective as far as pressure rate goes, and you know I'm not a big believer in using sacks only. I want to look at sacks, pressures, Quarterback hits, Nick. And when you look at all that stuff, I see a guy who was still super effective in 2019. After a breakout 2018, the Giants are landing him on a one-year prove-it deal because he basically said, from what I've seen, he just wanted to get out of Green Bay for an opportunity. He didn't see the snaps there, and that's pretty obvious. They drafted a first-round edge in Gary. They signed Preston Smith and Darius Smith, the massive free agent contract. So all of this coupled together, Nick, has me really excited about what FACRO can bring to the Giants.
2: Yeah, no, I totally understand uh, where you're coming from with that because, again, what is the, one of the biggest liabilities with this team? It's the fact that they do not have a proven pass rush, and we hope Lorenzo Carter, we hope O'Shane Zimenez become people to rely upon, but they're just not there yet to so bring in as many of these players, and this is somebody who has had a double-digit sack season, so I think we're both excited about this. Uh, you know, again, though, we do need to add more people to that uh, edge group, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, they still do. They still need competition there. Um, But I would say, honestly, this is my favorite signing so far of the offseason, especially from a value standpoint. Obviously, the most important was Bradbury, but this is the best from a value standpoint. Okay, Nick, other news for the Giants. Let's catch us all up. They did re-sign Cody Core to a two-year $4.7 million contract. What do you make of that? Which
2: is a very underrated signing. It's not sexy because people see Cody Core as a wide receiver. And that's not his role on this team. His role is as a special teams player. And he's one of the better special teams players in the league. When the Giants brought him over from the Bengals, not many people batted an eye at it. And then we saw him just make plays tackles on special teams stopping the ball from going into the end zone making important tackles and just kind of always being in position to succeed so i think it's a really underrated signing and a smart signing by the giants to bring cody core back because we need those special teams ace all three phases baby offense defense and specials you can't ignore specials and cody core really upgrades that unit
1: I'm with you, Nick. I think for so long this team didn't prioritize special teams under the tenure of general manager Jerry Reese, and they finished dead last over and over. And back then, when the Giants actually had teams and rosters that could actually win, mostly because they had a quarterback in place who was playing above average, even though people don't realize that, given how awful the rest of the roster was for so many years under Reese, and no one even batted an eye at it. But a lot of the reason they were held back was play on special teams. And since Gettleman has taken over and first with Pat Shermer, and now it's going to continue moving forward with Joe Judge, who's obviously has a special teams background and is going to prioritize it. They've prioritized special teams, and they've moved way up the special teams rankings done by, you know, Rick Gosselin of the Dallas Morning News. Those are kind of the go-to special team rankings. But also Football Outsiders has them rank really high on special teams. They dipped a little after you – it; know, they went from 32 to, to third in 2018 and then dipped a little last year, but mostly because they were being knocked for Roses' disasters kicking season. But if you take out Roses' disastrous kicking season, well, then you get, a, you get a special teams unit that was still top 10 last season. So that's a priority. I understand it. I like it. When this team takes a step forward in regard in other spots, it's going to pay off that they also, you know, had that special teams boost. I truly believe that. Um, all right, Nick, one other big, big uh, free agent decision that's happened in the kind of hours since we recorded our last podcast was the decision by the Giants not to pick up safety Antoine Bethea's option, and this decision will clear about $3 million more in cap space, giving it back to the Giants. What do you make of that one?
2: I mean, we've been talking about Bethea not being a Giant for months now in this coming season in 2020, so I'm not surprised by this at all, but I think it really uh, – adds more precedent on adding another back-end safety, which is something I feel like the Giants should have been exploring no matter what, but this is a pretty expected move, and it also might lead to Julian Love being tried out at that free safety position if they do not land somebody in the draft or sign some uh, veteran or something like that, or do the tag and trade for Anthony Harris, which seems unlikely at this point, so... It's pretty uh, expected. Been, um, we'll see if, uh, if Love is going to be transitioned into that role or if he'll keep playing the role that he has. I think the Giants are going to play a lot of three-safety looks. That's what I've been kind of saying. That's what we've been saying. A lot of three-safety looks. I think that's how they're going to play a lot of man on tight ends. It also depends on what they do in the draft, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I think the Giants really need to uh, figure out a way to get that single high, cover one, middle of the field safety. DeFay wasn't it, but he was still a smart player who was a good run defender coming downhill, but athletically limited and the Giants are going to need to uh, address that position. That's just one of the uh, many holes that kind of still exist. I wouldn't say many, but one of the holes that definitely still exist.
1: No doubt, Nick. I think we're kind of lockstep here. For, uh, for starters, I think one thing about Bethea, I think he played a lot better in 2019 than people realize. I think it's very easy to blame the deep half safety for everything that goes wrong in pass coverage. Uh, but Bethea brought something to that deep half safety role that the Giants haven't had in a few years, and that's short tackling ability. And that was a big issue for them, and that's one of the reasons I don't want a guy like Ha Ha Clinton Dix in free agency because he stinks at tackling at the third level, and I don't, I can't stand, I can't see another season that they had it with Darian Thompson, they had it with Curtis Riley. It kills you when you can't have that short tackling at the third level, but but they brought that, but obviously. He's a step slower, he's getting older, and he wasn't good in that deep half safety role in coverage. So this was expected, especially when you consider how the Giants have structured these other free agent deals, and we'll get to that more later on the show, but they needed the $3 million in cap space based on that, and to me, it just made sense for all those reasons. Obviously, me and you both believe deep half safety is for single high looks is a massive need for this team, but at the same time... It ain't a need that's easy to fix. It's like offensive tackle. It's like quarterback. They don't grow on trees. They're rare. You very rarely find them. So we'll see if they can address that this year. But I'm starting to think that maybe they think Love can play that role. I mean, he showed it a little in that Chicago Bears game uh, last season. And maybe they think that he can can evolve into that. He's still learning that position for the most part. He has very few reps there. So it's a big risk, I think, if they do go in that direction. But we'll have to see. There's still a couple deep half safety types that I like um sitting on the market that might they may be able to sign on that second and third wave and we'll get to that a little bit later in the show as well
2: with currently no nba nhl or college basketball you might think there's nothing to bet on well you'd be wrong there bub bet online still has hundreds of places to wager from their online casino to poker and blackjack all open 24 hours a day and all online so you don't need to go outside sports aren't totally done there's still mixed martial arts and esports is on the rise. If you're into entertainment, you can still bet on American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, and even Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your new ticket to online action.
1: All right, Nick, before we move on to remaining team needs, I want to give the fans a little Overview of the Giants salary cap situation and kind of the changes they've made to their cap r- structure this offseason that during free agency that they really haven't done since I started following this team. So it's very, very interesting to me. All right. So we'll start with estimated cap hits for the 2020 season for the players that the Giants brought in. So James Bradbury, $15.9 million estimated cap hit, nearly $16 million. Blake Martinez, $14 million. And remember, he signed a three-year $30 million deal. Kyle Fackrell, 4.6. That one's obvious. Levine Toilolo, 3.25 million. And remember, he signed a $4.6 million deal over two years. David Mayo, 3.5 million. Same type of idea. His annual salary is less than the estimated cap it for 2020. And we'll explain what this means in a second. Cody Core, 1.5, uh, 1.95 million. Aldrich Roses, 3.3 million. Leonard Williams, 16.1 million. So, total, that is six, uh, nearly 63 million. And they started with around $73 million. They got another $3 million back from cutting Bethea today. So the Giants are left right now with $14 million. Now, what does this mean, Nick? Because as you notice, these estimated cap hits for 2020 season are more than the annual salary for these players. Why is that? Well, the Giants have made a massive change, a massive change in what they've practiced with their free agent signings and the salary cap forever. What does this mean? In the past, they've given out... Signing bonuses which allow them to prorate the cap hits with larger cap hits down the line in future years of the contract. Basically, this is kicking the cap can down the road. You see this with the Saints, you see this with the Cowboys, you see this with the Eagles, you see this with teams who are in win now mode. The Giants, who are not feeling like they're totally in win now mode right now, and that makes sense to us, they shouldn't really feel that way, are taking a different approach this offseason. Generally, I think it's best practice to kick the can down the road because you keep kicking it, and, the pro- and, you see, and you notice that you're basically creating extra cap space by kicking the can if you just keep kicking it like the Saints have done. But in a, in a spot where the Giants are now, and I'll ask you in a second if you agree with this, Nick, I think it's better to not kick the cap can down the road. This year, they've given out roster bonuses instead of signing bonuses, big roster bonus, which means big cap hits in year one. For example, Bradbury's $16 million cap hit Comes with a massive March roster bonus. I think it's around twelve point five million um, dollars and change. And normally they'd be giving him a signing bonus, and his cap hit would be instead of sixteen million around seven million. Same thing with Blake Martinez; he would have had around a five or six million cap hit instead of a fourteen million cap hit. So what does this all mean, Nick? It means that they're going to have. Flexibility in future years because they're front-loading all the cap hits now, and they'll be able to get out of Martinez's contract if they don't like him. They'll be able to get out of Bradbury's contract. I don't think they will, but if they don't like him, same thing for Levine Toilolo and David Mayo. They'll be able to cut them later on in their contracts without any dead cap hit or with a very minimal dead cap hit. So, what are your thoughts on this new strategy, Nick? And and my goal, and I think the goal of this, by the way, is to give the Giants flexibility from a cap standpoint, in the 2021 and 2022 offseason. So what are your thoughts on the change in strategy?
2: I'm a huge fan of it. I think it's a prudent way to, A, build your roster when you're not exactly competing and sort of evaluate some of the guys that you are bringing in. And just like you said, the main word that comes to my mind is flexibility. This gives the Giants a lot of flexibility in year three to maneuver the cap bring in other players and cut bait with some of these players if they do not work out something the giants haven't always done so i'm a fan of this re- uh restructuring of how the giants are divvying out these contracts i think it's a uh, step in the right direction i feel like giants fans are uh sort of low on how the giants operate especially in the front office with some of these uh contracts we saw what happened with the jerry reese contract where basically out of the woodwork with that i see we have a little bit of dead cap from the Janoris jenkins trade or cut i should say but i think this is a prudent way for the giants to build the roster and i'm a big fan of it and i know i've been reading uh, on giants country the si website that i write for with uh, patricia Trana. she was uh, talking a lot about how this um how the cap how the giants have been working this cap and kind of like what you just articulated and i think she does an excellent job on her twitter kind of highlighting how this is a uh a move for the these are moves for the future that could really give the Giants the flexibility that they may need to get at from underneath some of these contracts and help build the roster to a championship contender.
1: Yeah, and sure, I, I've seen Pat's analysis; excellent stuff. She's a little more conservative than I am with the cap. i I'd, I'd be I I like the idea of front loading these specific deals, but someone like Bradbury, who I think they can count on for the duration of his three year deal, I wouldn't have been opposed to them uh, turning that one specifically into a signing bonus instead of a roster bonus, so or I'm sorry, into signing bonus instead of a roster bonus, so so he can kind of ha- so they can clear a little more cast space to get a little more aggressive in this year's free agency. But I understand it and it's gonna give them a chance in case he gets injured, has a major injury, or in case his play just rapidly falls off or he's not part of the future defense, whatever that may be. Well now they can potentially get out of that one. So I get it. And I think for her, she wants to keep all this this future cast space to re sign Barkley like a year from now and Jones a year from now. I think that would be crazy. We'll talk more about that on a future pod, Nick. But if the Giants are going to re-sign Barkley, they're going down a path that the Rams went down with Gurley, they regretted it. The Falcons went down with Freeman, they regretted it. Uh, The Cowboys went down with Ezekiel Elliott, they're going to regret it soon because it caused them to not be able to re-sign Byron Jones. They They already
2: regret that. They already regret that.
1: They should already regret that. They chose Zeke over Byron Jones. And there's a few other teams up. The Cardinals, they got lucky to not regret that David Johnson contract because the Texans bailed him out. So Barkley is going to get re-signed. That's the reality of the situation. He's the face of the franchise. And hopefully he can stay healthy for the for the, for the most part in his new contract. But they'd be crazy not to, to make him resign after that fifth-year rookie option. Sorry, Barkley. You're going to play out the— If I'm the Giants, I'm saying, sorry, Barkley. You're going to play out your rookie deal. You're already getting paid more than almost every running back in the NFL. And we'll do what Zeke did. We'll re-sign you after that fifth year. We won't, You won't hold out. We'll get you your deal. You're going to get paid. But she wants them to re-sign him, like, next year, three years into his deal— And same thing with Jones. That is crazy talk. Do not resign these guys. Use their rookie deals. Use the rookie window. That's how you win in the NFL. And we'll have more on that in later podcasts. But I saw that. And personally, Nick, I didn't love it. And I like Pat's work. She does a great job. And, you know, I'm not knocking her for this. I know she's been big on this re-signing Barkley-Jones thing early. I'm not in on that. And I hope the Giants aren't too, Nick. But on that note, Nick, let's discuss some needs remaining for the roster as we move forward. Where do you stand now after all the needs they addressed? What are your, let's, let's give me your biggest needs right now for the Giants, and then I'll break down mine, and then we'll talk a little on each.
2: So my biggest need right now is offensive tackle because I'm looking for, towards the future. I see Daniel Jones going into his second year. He has Nate Solder as his left tackle, and there's still question marks on who the hell is going to play right tackle right now. And the best friend of a quarterback is a competent tackle, and the Giants don't seem to have that on the roster at the moment. So it has to be left tackle And these moves. I mean, the giants could still go Simmons in the draft, but these moves really kind of point towards the giants taking their favorite, one of these top four tackles, like we said yesterday, but yeah, I will not have to go tackle.
1: Okay. And I'll give you my first need, and by no surprise, because it seems like, we're really lockstep in a lot of the – I promise you guys, we don't talk about this before the podcast. We don't make sure we're on the same page no matter what. This is not how we operate. I lo- It'd be better if me and Nick disagreed. It, make- it would make for better uh, radio, I'm pretty sure. But I'm with Nick. I'm with you, Nick. Offensive tackle for sure is my big need for the Giants. Not only is Solder, you know. I've been reading some rumors that Solder might take a pay cut today. We'll see if that happens or in the near future. We'll see if that happens regardless I think they're going to try to get out of that contract next offseason when there's a, you know, a, a much lower dead cap hit tied to it. This offseason has no chance. But you know they don't really have an offensive tackle on this roster, you can safely say, is part of their future for Daniel Jones. So because of that reason, because it's two positions, off a left, left tackle and right tackle, Nick, and because it plays such a key role in wins and losses, I think in both my opinion and yours, offensive tackle plays a massive role in wins and losses. I think we could we can safely say it's the number one need for this team moving forward the rest of free agency and then the draft and most likely they're going to have to rely on the draft to address this position. Would you agree with that?
2: Yes, especially when you look at the landscape of the draft. You got Wills, you got Wirfs, you got Thomas, you got Beckton. I mean, and you're picking in the top 5, so you can have your choice of any of those. If you want to stay put at 4, hopefully the Giants trade back acquire more assets, but I, I'm not I'm not 100% sure Gettleman's going to do that. You know, we know how he, do, how he usually rolls, falls in love with his guy, selects him. Let's just hope uh, he makes the right move this year.
1: And I'm not ruling out 36 either, Nick, for offensive tackle and going Simmons 4, because like we talked about on the last pod, Gettleman's best draft pick at the offensive position by far, unless you want to say Williams, but Williams has kind of fell off a little has been Taylor Moden, who we traded up for in the top half of the second round on day two. So if he sees a guy like that, that he knows is going to be available on day two, based on, you know, how the market looks, maybe if he loves Jones, for example, or if he kind of has that feeling about another tackle, we haven't really discussed much as much. And we'll, di- we'll dive into a lot of draft stuff as we move forward. So don't worry about that. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to that as well, Nick. All right, Nick, give us your second need right now. Your second biggest remaining need.
2: I like, see, I've been rattling between two
1: Okay. And-
2: it's either center or deep half safety. And I'm going to have to go with the deep half safety, especially after the Antoine, but they cut, I think that really just points towards it. But the caveat is if the giants think Julian love can play that. And again, deep half safety is a very cerebral position. You need to understand angles coverage. You need to understand a lot of things, what the offense is trying to do with their route combinations. You need to know all those things. And it might take some time to develop that, but just watching Julian love, I think he has the athletic ability and that second, that first, second gear burst, in his step he has that spring that dynamic spring in his step to where he might have the range to do that but he wasn't asked to do that yet so if the giants feel like that he possesses that and they want to try him in that then it's going to be center but if not i'm gonna have to go with deep half safety so let's just go with deep half safety and kind of knock it out of the park with the second biggest need for me
1: i was hoping you might choose center next so we had some kind of difference there um but for me I'm I'm going deep pass safety. Anyone who's listened to me on this podcast or on Twitter knows I believe deep pass safety is one of the most underrated and important positions in the NFL for the mere fact that one, it's insanely scarce. There's only a few who are playing at a high level. Two, It changes everything you can do on defense. When you have that deep, deep half of the field shored up, it changes how offenses can attack you. It no longer has guys like Matt Stafford unloading for 400 yards on you and just firing over the top on 3rd and 17 because he knows he can beat you to the spot because your safety doesn't have the range to get there. You need a safety with range in that deep half, in my opinion, to have a really elite defense The Ravens understood this, which is why they made the decision to sign Earl Thomas later in his career to a big contract last offseason. Other teams have also expressed, you know, shown this understanding of the importance of the position. Hopefully the Giants will soon. For me, I'm not saying I think they can address it this offseason in the draft or the free agency. I'm not sure there's that guy they're going to find for the future there. But there are a lot of players they can take a chance on, Nick, that I'd be excited about. And we'll hit that later in this pod. But a few guys left in free agency, I still think they should uh, pursue at that position. But um, that would be number two for me. And your number three, I guess, is center, Nick?
2: Yeah, it would be center, especially with the Jalapio injury.
1: Yeah, I mean, center for sure for me is also my third, Nick. So once again, we're not really having much differences here. But again, Pulley's the only guy left at center on the roster, unless they're thinking of converting Nick Gates, which I doubt they're converting into center. Lapio not tendered, obviously. Like I said, you know, it's gonna probably be he might get brought back at the beginning of July for training camp purposes, give him a shot to win a job with no guarantee money, maybe. But even so, I need an upgrade over pulley. I'm kind of done with this with this center position being a weakness, in my opinion, on tape. And, you know, you see it too, Nick. It's the play strength. They need someone with play strength uh, at that position, functional play strength, so they don't get overwhelmed by the by the interior, especially like as you said, Nick, with all the, you know. And off defense alliance, the NFC East ge- beefing up Gerald McCoy to the Cowboys yesterday. That was a big move. Obviously, the Eagles did the same thing the day before with Hargrave. They're going to need to keep that interior strong. Um, so that's my third biggest need. What's your fourth biggest need, Nick?
2: Uh, it has to be Edge. You know, I'm thinking about Kyler Fackwell bringing him in. I mean, obviously, he had a down year last year, but. Under Patrick Graham, like we said, had a solid season, but there's still no true number one pass rusher right there. And you just need depth, to be honest, too, because we don't even know who the depth pieces are behind Fackerel, Carter, and O'Shane, so it has to be edge.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I would say my fourth would actually be nickel cornerback. I think that, especially if they're moving in this direction, of having Julian Love in the deep half safety role or any kind of safety role in Nickel, that type of thing. They're going to need someone to help lock down the slot, and they can't go back into this thing with Haley. Now, maybe... Based on the signing of Bradbury, they think they can move Baker inside and nickel and keep Beal, Baker, Bradbury on the field there. And then it becomes less of a need. But I do think if you can get a guy you talked about, like Jermon Williams or maybe a Nickel Roby Coleman or even a Logan Ryan who's later in his career, but the Giants are reportedly interested in him early this offseason. You get these guys on a cheap one-year deal, I think it could be something that helps the team out in the immediate short term. So for me, I would put it there. Uh, where what where are you? Where, what else do you have on on your needs list? Number
2: yeah. five. We're <laughs> we're way too similar on this, but I feel like all the answers are just very like obvious. And I would have to go with the slot nickel. I mean, I believe bringing back Grant Haley that gives me the uh, you know suggests that they're going to give him another crack at that. I mean, he was a good tackler, but he was just a liability. Hopefully, Jerome Henderson can kind of develop him, but Nick might just be an athletic issue in the fact that he's a shorter player that might lead him to be the liability in the slot that he really is. But the Giants do need to figure that out because we saw it. We saw it against the Redskins. We saw it against the Lions. We saw it against so many teams. They were just going – Slot verts, slot verts, slot verts against yep. the Giants, and they were just getting burnt in all those situations. And Ballantyne, he's, he's a boundary corner in my opinion. He's not somebody who should be operating in space. So that's definitely a need. I don't know if the Giants would go after someone like Nicole Roby Coleman since he is available, someone like Tremon Williams, even though he's like 37 years old. But I think those guys would be welcomed additions. And Williams might be had on the cheap, and he was still really effective last year for the Packers. So that could be something that they might uh, entertain, as of right now, Giants have uh, spent a lot of their money.
1: Yeah, but again, as far as the money goes, Nick, as far as free agency, there are going to be ways to kind of move this around, especially if A, they you know move around that solder money, or if they restructure any other contract, they'll be able to, if they need, get get continue to get aggressive in free agency. They still have a little bit of money left. Um, they they made the cut to Pulley. They could also, I'm sorry, if they they could also, if they want to, do the same thing with Pulley. By the way. Uh, and get back that cap space. I think it's around $2.75 billion if they see something they like on the center market to kind of replace him. That's pretty much what the Lions did yesterday when they got rid of Kennard uh, and kind of traded him out for another outside backer. So something interesting to keep in mind, obviously my number five would be Edge. I like Fackrell. I like Carter to hopefully take a jump forward. Ziminens is all right. But they obviously need an alpha there at some point. And I don't think that's going to come this offseason personally. But in the meantime... Get some guys in there, take some chances like you did on Fackerel, and who knows what could happen. Or, you know, find Zach Bond, round two, if he's somehow on the board. I love him. I think he could be a great edge. Same thing with Weaver out of Boise State. I'm intrigued by him potentially at 36 overall. So there are options there as well. What's, do you have any other needs or are those kind of, do you kind of round out with your, with your fifth pressing need?
2: Uh, I would say just this could be addressed to the draft. Obviously, it doesn't need to be addressed through free agency, but sure. still maybe bring it in the linebacker an athletic linebacker would be nice uh somebody maybe a bit, little bit later but those like I Keem davis gaither but i think he's just going to keep climbing up boards as this process yeah, keeps yeah. going and then uh I, i'm still willing to entertain wide receiver i know you're more set on the wide receiver position and i love the wide receivers but a lot of them have, you know, Sterling Shepard gets injured quite a bit. And All I right. do think bringing in another body, especially someone who's a little bit bigger, you know, someone who's taller than six foot, six foot one. That is uh, some, something that I would most certainly uh, love for the Giants to look at it as well.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I'm not set by any means at the wide receiver position. I've just kind of set in my ways that I can't, I, 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 they can't afford to take a wide receiver on day one or two of it. Yeah. I think they should for sure take one on day three based on value. Basically, on every single pick they have in day three, wide receiver will likely be the first, second or third best player on their big board. So at some point, they're going to have to snap up that value, I think, for sure. Um, But having said that, in free agency, their limited cap space, maybe it's too late or maybe they take a guy, take a, you know, swing on the guy you brought up, Marcus Johnson, somebody like that. You know, I still think it is a decent size need for the reasons you said, Shepard's injury history. Tate's not a long, long go for this roster. Um, they could still use some more speed on the outside to kind of keep uh, the deep half safeties honest on the opposing teams. But for sure, my other biggest need would be off-ball linebacker. To me, nothing they've done this off-season has really changed that. I mean, to me, really, what they've done is replace Ogletree with Martinez. I see that as a total replacement. I think it's going to be an upgrade. I really do believe that because one guy is really good against the run up, right, coming right at him. The other guy sucks against. Then that's Ogletree. Um, obviously, though. Like you mentioned, we still need a, the Giants still need a coverage linebacker. I don't know that they can count on Connolly to come back 100% from that ACL right away. David Mayo, to me, just a depth piece. So to me, off-ball linebacker remains a, remains a solid size need for this Giants team moving forward. All right, Nick, any other needs you want to touch on, or do we want to dive into a few free agents that intrigue us as we move forward into the, first, uh, into the end of the first wave of free agency and into the second and third waves?
2: Now, I'm pretty sure we hit all the uh, pressing needs that the Giants are definitely uh, looking at, other than just depth pieces and special teams upgrades, things like that. But I feel like we can uh, move on to these intriguing free agents that are still around.
1: All right, who you got? Who intrigues you that's left?
2: Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd was
1: uh, cut by the Bears
2: after they signed Robert Quinn yesterday. And Leonard Floyd... He's just a very long player, and obviously people are going to make the comparison of Lorenzo Carter, Leonard Floyd. They went to the same school. They're both very long-edge kind of players, but if he can be had on the cheap, he's dealt with some injuries, so you might get him at a cheaper price tag. He's somebody who still has immense upside, and I think he would fit well with Patrick Graham, so he would probably be one of the ones I'm looking at uh, because you need to upgrade that edge position like we elaborated upon. You need to bring in more talent, more depth there, and I think Floyd has the highest upside of the guys who are available who are going to be had at the cheap, so Leonard Floyd's the guy I'm going to go with.
1: Yeah, I think Floyd is a good number one target left. Um, I think he's going to cost some money, so that might price him out based on what we've talked about with the cap situation and then front loading it. But definitely an intriguing player. For me, I'm kind of looking at a couple guys here. Daryl Williams, who we've talked about, the former Dave Gettleman draft pick in the fourth round in 2017, he graded out as one of the three best offensive ta- or I'm sorry, right tackles in the NFL, had an injured 2018 season. Didn't come back great right from the injury last year, but also the Panthers tried him at like four different positions on the offensive line. I still see a ton of upside there on a one-year deal, um, especially when you consider how really shallow the offensive tackle position is for the Giants. They didn't pick up the, they they waived and injured uh, George Asafo the the tackle they traded up for in the last draft. Nick Gates can easily convert to guard. I think he's better as a guard. And then that leaves you with just Solder uh, on the roster at right tackle, which is, Really, not a lot. So I'm really intrigued by Williams. I also like De- Cordy Glenn. I'd kick the tires on Cordy Glenn. Obviously, the injuries have taken a role, you know, have hurt him. But if you can get lucky there with a, with a healthy season out of Glenn and you're going to get him cheap based on the injuries, you're going to get a really good right tackle, really, really good right tackle for the 20, not 20 season. And you're going to get him pretty cheap. And you might get lucky with the injuries. He's had seasons where he hasn't, you know, been injured. He's a little bit older, but he's still not that old, Cordy Glenn. He's still, especially when you consider, you know, the the length of these careers out of these offensive tackles. We have so many offensive tackles still in the NFL playing at a high level who are way older than Glenn, who have a lot more tread on their tires and a lot more, you know, have been worn down more than Glenn. So Glenn intrigues me. He's still on the market. He was cut. Um, Any other free agents that intrigue you at other positions, Nick?
2: Yeah, I would say Tremont Williams and Mackenzie Alexander. I prioritize uh, Mackenzie a little bit higher, but I do feel like his price tag would be more than what Tremont Williams would – command at his advanced age but mackenzie alexander somebody who played predominantly the slot in 2019 for a stout vikings defense and like we said slots big vulnerability for the giants so i think that's definitely a name that i want to uh investigate because logan ryan's kind of the cream of the crop right now when it comes to these slot players that are available these nickel i should say nickel rather than slot, but these nickel coverage guys and i just feel like he's his price tag would be way too much obviously so i'm gonna go with mac
1: yeah there's a lot of interesting Nickel slot type guys left. I think Mackenzie Alexander gives you the highest upside because he's a guy who I loved in the draft, first of all, when he came out. Hasn't totally, totally, you know, fit fill I guess lived up to the hype is a, is a better way to say it, but still has a ton of upside still young and had really his best season. I think in 2019, he's a, he's, he would be more like the fackerel type signing than, you know, the older free agent, like Logan Ryan, Tremont Williams. So to me, there's more upside there, especially if the price tag is low right now. So out of those nickel guys, I think he'd probably be number one on my list as well, Nick, but I'm also intrigued by a few other guys at different positions for, for starters. Uh, Sean Davis, a guy who you talked about in your sleepers podcast, Nick, why can't the giants still sign him and give him a shot at deep half safety, right?
2: Yeah. I'm not really sure. I mean, he's going to be had on the incredibly cheap contract, obviously the high draft pedigree, all the things he has going for him. You can bring him in and just try him out and cut bait if it doesn't work out. So I'm not really sure uh, why they're not kicking
1: the tires there. And then in that same regard, I'm kind of the, you know, high upside move. uh, What we were talking about before with Alexander, what about Dante Fowler? I mean, He obviously was a former first round pick, had the major injury in his first year, had a actually really good season pressuring the quarterback last year, um, kind of going untalked about on the free agent market. Now, maybe that's just because he's waiting for the for the Clowney domino to fall so he can base his contract off that. So I'm not going to get too excited about that. I think Floyd is the better bet to sign before Clowney for cheap, but he's someone who intrigues me. And then there's a couple of safeties, Nick, that I want to get your take on that I like that I think could be kind of, you know, low risk potential high upside signings by the Giants. And the first one is J Ron curse who played with the Vikings and was really good, but just didn't get to play that much because they have Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris at the safety position. That's the type of guy I'm interested in a guy who showed good in a small sample size, but just hasn't really had much of an opportunity to really play the position uh, and maybe gets the chance, gets the playing time, kind of like a fact roll gets the playing time with a Giants team that has a much greater need than the Vikings do at that position and shows out any interest in curse i
2: do have interest in curse i talked about him on uh when i wrote for wrote my sleepers safeties for big blue view the sb nation site and i thought he would have been an intriguing player he's somebody who i don't feel like as i want to say he started the slot uh in the beginning of the year for the vikings but he was more of a liability and that kind of prompted them to move mackenzie alexander there in a more full-time role but as a safety who can kind of come in in those three safety packages and really assist on special teams, I feel like he provides a lot of value. I wouldn't rely on him for the slot, but I would rely on him in that regard. And Again, he's, what, 26 years old? He's young. He's a freak athlete when it comes to size and athleticism, measurables. He's, like, six foot 6'4", like 220 pounds. So he has all those kind of things going for him. So that's definitely uh, something that I would entertain as well. Just, just – uh, I really think the Giants need to go out and – Kind of bring in a veteran safety or it's like a Sean Davis or a curse or something like that, especially now that Bethea has been cut. Maybe that's where they're going to start investigating into that. I'm sure they already have all their uh, you know, ducks in a row on the pro scouting side of these players. But I definitely would like that to be entertained.
1: Yeah. And then I would say top of my list there. I don't know if they're going to have the money to be able to do it as another firmer first round pick as early as 2015 Demarius Randall. He's kind of bounced around cornerback safety, cornerback safety, but last year played for the most part that deep half safety role more than any other snap and played it really well. And he's a guy with range that I like maybe coming into his own as that position, finally getting the chance to kind of lock in there and play most of his snaps there. I'm interested, very interested in Demarius Randall. I don't know if the giants have, the cap space to do this right now based on how they've structured things but as he continues to hang around this market that's when he starts to turn into a bargain and that's when you find these awesome you know second third wave free agent signings that people are making you know that that turn into excellent value additions for teams who you know take the plunge so Randall would probably be the top of my wish list as far as the safe deep safety position goes as far as you know what the Giants also need at the safe position Nick I think he kind of is the best fit from that standpoint curses is, is more of kind of that in the box guy I think As they move Um, forward, but I'm sorry, go um, ahead.
2: Yeah, I'm wondering if like these dominoes haven't fallen yet because Anthony Harris is being baited as a trade piece right now, and teams are investigating if they can acquire him for like that fourth or fifth. And the Vikings are kind of, you know, trying to ask for a second or third or something along those lines. So maybe that's why Demaris Randall and Sean Davis and all these other free safeties are still around. But that's just a theory.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's possible. The same thing goes with Fowler, right? Like, it's like they got to wait for the first contract to drop. And so Harris hasn't been extended yet, and that will reset. And once the Vikings do that, or if he holds out, whatever that happens there, that'll reset the safety market, and maybe that's kind of what they're going to base their deals off of. It's possible. It's also possible that, you know— there's not interest there. I mean, Trey Boston has hung around. He, he just resigned this offseason. But the past two offseasons before this, Trey Boston had hung around free agency forever both times and had to settle on one-year deals with different teams despite really good play from that deep half safety role. So it's possible that just this is kind of how the NFL values the position or devalues the position or doesn't really kind of, you know, put em- as much emphasis on. But, you know, time will tell there, Nick. But definitely some interesting names to keep an eye on. Anyone else you want to add before we sign off?
2: No, I believe we touched on uh, the guys that I really want to touch on. My one thing is I think Fowler will command a pretty large contract, so I don't believe the Giants will be pursuing him.
1: Yeah, that's probably too much wishful thinking. I think you're right there, Nick. Yeah, man. All right, guys, that's all we have for today. Thank you again for tuning in. We're going to keep this rolling. We're going to keep doing pods as It calls for them. You know, anything interesting happens with the Giants, we will touch on it. We will break it down. And at some point, me and Nick are going to dive into the film of Roll as well, and potentially even Levine Toilolo. So we'll kind of give you more on that as well as we move forward. Keep it locked and loaded. We can't wait for the draft coverage. That's where we think we have some of the best stuff coming up and some big guests already lined up. So keep it locked and loaded on the Big Blue Banders podcast. Enjoy the rest of your week.